Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host here in the studios of Relate365.com on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute in the Northwoods of Wisconsin. Once again, I'm with Bill Hilligans, who's a, an older friend. Normally, I get younger guys in here. How old are you, Bill? Oh, I keep that hidden, Dave, because... That, you, you don't look a day over 40. <laughs> okay, let's go with that. Let's go with that. I'm 65. <laughs> so we go and we, we look and we think, okay, I usually... I'm trying to have an intergenerational dialogue. So if you are 40, we're having it. That's pretty cool. Right. However, I must admit he's closer to my age than that. So Yes, I am. As I'm we, very close to your age. Yes. As we go through life, um, I tell kids all the time that I'm really not very smart. I'm not smarter than them. I'm more experienced. <laughs> and that, that that experience actually matters, that I can share with them things that I've learned if they want to know what it is. But, I, you know, smartness, I was a football hockey player. I'd rather hit people with a hockey stick than, <laughs> you know, be smart. And uh, so I don't know how you feel about that, but that's how I feel at this age. Um, no, that's how I feel too. And I, I think so many times life experiences as you go back and you look and you, uh, I didn't do that well. I could do that better. Yeah. But then when you see a, a student saying, you know, this or that, you can say, you know what, uh, let's step aside. Let's take a walk. And yeah. please understand where I'm coming from. I love you enough to tell you where I messed up in life. And um, I really do think the life experiences have helped me along the way. Yeah. I want to encourage young people that are listening. You should have uh, three people in your life, I, I think. You should have somebody that's older than you that loves you, that loves God that you can go to and talk to and that would challenge you. And I, it could be someone like a Bill. It could be somebody somebody that's older that actually loves God and knows God, and you should meet with them regularly somehow. And, and I'm not saying every day, every but you should have that. And then you have somebody younger. This is part of the three that you do the same thing for. So you say, well, I'm only in high school. Pick someone in junior high. Do you know what a junior high kid would, would think if a high school kid showed any interest in them? And, and healthy interest about God and serving and that kind of thing. And the older guy in your life can help you figure out how to do that. So that's a rule of three I have. I don't know if you implement something like that. I love that. Um, yeah, we actually have uh, things similar to that. Um, I do have every Tuesday and Wednesday night, I have a middle school night. And on Wednesdays, I have a high school night. And in that time, there are small groups that we have. And they're age appropriate. And what I've really found is I do have some high school students that are saying, hey, can I be a small group leader in the middle school? And we see these high school girls that come on Wednesday night or high school boys that come on Wednesday night. They are pouring into our middle school students as a small group leader. But yet on Wednesday night, they come and they have an adult that is pouring into their life. And we really want those leaders, those small group leaders, we call them crew leaders, to be instrumental in their lives to say, you know what, if you want to go out for a burger or you want to go out for something, I'll take you out. I'll care for you. Let's talk. Let's walk life together. Yeah, you know, that is so valuable. I, when Ministry has shifted through many years. When I was in high school, back in 1970, I started as a youth leader. And, you know, this is 2021. <laughs> And so 1970, I was a youth leader for eight-year-old boys. And back then, my dad was the pastor, and he would let us take a Sunday school class if we built it. In other words, we were assistant youth leaders with the, the third, fourth, fifth grade boys, and we would have to get those kids that don't come to Sunday school to come. And if we created our own class, we could 
we could have it. So we did. And uh, one of the kids I created, I call him a street kid, um, came here and, and ended up going to Moody and ended up, he's been a pastor in Phoenix now for many years. Uh, you know uh, David Betacola? Oh, sure, I know David. You know, he was one of those kids mm -hmm. that came off the street that, uh, okay, a guy that probably shouldn't even be teaching yet was teaching him. <laughs> and yet I look at that and I think, you know, what, a, what an absolute incredible opportunity to learn to serve and to give. Yeah, was I qualified? No. Was I a good teacher? No. But, you know, my dad was, was very specific. You know, you can talk to an eight-year-old about John chapter 3. Tell them what you know about it. You've heard it a lot. It's kind of like the importance of us getting in the habit of just serving. When I went to college, my dad told me, don't ever, yeah, went to Wheaton College, played football, all that, very busy. He said, don't ever get out of the habit of working in youth work. Because when you do, you won't get back in. Don't do it. Well, I have some girls that came up this week, and they actually served in our VBS. And as talking to the kids director after VBS was over, she said, if it wasn't for the teenagers, if it wasn't for the youth group, this VBS would not have run as smooth or even maybe got off the ground. And I had a couple girls in the uh, drive up here telling me, you know, we were just walking kids around. I really want to start sharing with them. Cool. A and these are eighth grade girls. And so, yeah, absolutely. Next year, hey, let's let's plan on that. Let's do this. You know, how are you going to pour into uh, students that are younger than you? Don't stop serving. Well, you know, I applaud you for that, Bill, because I, I see less and less youth pastors allowing that to happen. Because it's got to be their own, you know, they got to wait till they're qualified or older or whatever else it might be. And I thought philosophically, it's really wise to take the spiritual calories you get and to use them, not to just store them. Because if you know anything about fat, and I know there's two different stories, mm -hmm. but it's hard to get rid of later. It's hard to use it effectively. When you get information, even to this day, I, when I get information in the morning, I'm reading Everything that I learn, I put in a format to teach. And people wonder, you know, I do four podcasts, I teach all the time. How do you get all this stuff? Every day I've got new material because every day I put it in a way that I can teach it. Now, I don't always mm -hmm. teach it, but I could go back and grab that and teach it if I need to today. And, and what I found is when I do that, I just keep getting more and more and more, and I'm in better spiritual shape and spiritual shape, that kind of thing. And I really think, too, there are a lot of good programs that we can, and training in righteousness obviously is invaluable. But for me, it's less about the program and more about the heart. And when you see students that have a heart and a love for God that are in there and they want to teach, when you teach, you have to know your subject. Right. And I was talking to a mom a couple of weeks ago. I saw her at the grocery store. Her kids came to youth group years ago. And I said, your kids were some of the best kids I ever had in youth group. And she said, are you kidding me? My kids were, you know, and she didn't speak kindly <laughs> of, of them. Yeah. And I said, your kids always ask the tough questions. So I knew that when I taught, I had to get the resources. I had to be in the Word. I had to be prepared because they were going to ask some question that was completely off the wall. Yeah. You know, it's so incredible. to I, I so applaud your effort because you're, you're a, a youth pastor. You've come up to camp all these years. You bring people with you. You're working at developing them. Uh, uh, there's been some real interesting things um, that we've talked about through the years that you've been able to watch and see some of the fruit of actually doing mm -hmm. it this way. 
uh, one of your students came up and became part of MBI. Tell us about him and the journey and where he's at today and, and the second generation or whatever you want to call it. Well, it was kind of interesting with him. He came up, uh, he was part of youth group. He was uh, on my student leadership team, and he really felt the heart, the call of God on his heart for ministry. And the weird thing was his dad had a very successful business, and his dad really wanted him to take over this business, but the call on his heart was not to take over the business, and he identified that call. Cool. And what am I going to do? And we said, hey, what about NBI? Why don't you go up to Nicolay? Why don't you see what God has for you? He came up to Nicolay, and it all came to fruition. Yes, I'm supposed to go into ministry. He went into ministry after Nicolay. He went on to another Bible college and uh, got his degree in ministry. And this morning, I was introduced uh, just before I spoke by one of his students. He was a youth pastor for one of the kids that's up here now uh, working for uh, Silver Birch Ranch that went to Nicolay Bible Institute about three years ago. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. He's been our our, uh, boys um, volunteer director for two years. And he does an excellent job. And, and, you know, it's kind of fun because in a way he's your spiritual grandkid mm-hmm. in, in that Absolutely. way in, in how you've worked with it. Yeah. And if, you, if God allows you to stick around in ministry long enough, you begin to see some of this stuff. You also will see um, people who reject Christ, and it'll break your heart. And how you deal with that mm-hmm. is, is something that's real. When I went into ministry, my, my dad, especially camping, he looked at me one time and said, are you sure you want to do this? And he was very serious. And I thought, you know, you've been encouraging everywhere. What is with that statement? He's trying to get me into reality. Do you know how much pain you're going into? Yeah, and that's the one thing when you look at ministry, you know, you don't always look through uh, the right kind of lens. And I think sometimes you look through rose-colored glasses. Well, you know, if I just teach Jesus and if I just do this, everything's going to be okay. And that's not because there is sin in the world. And people do reject that, and that does break your heart. And, you know, being in youth ministry and being in uh, close relationships with the kids over the years and building that, you know, a lot of times when they have breakups— that breaks your heart as well because it's like your own kid. Right. And, uh, yeah, when kids walk away from the faith, you look at that and, and you just want to scream and, and grab them and say, please, please don't do this. But they do, but you can't give up. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, too. Uh, in ministry, especially in campaign, it's the same. Where you are, you have them a little longer, I think. You say goodbye a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, for like, we'll have kids here for a summer, and they'll work, and we'll say goodbye to them at the end. We never see them again, really. Yeah. And uh, people have gone into camping and ministry. I said, well, there's a couple things you need to know. You, you need to understand. I'm not trying to discourage you, but the bottom line really is you need to be able to uh, you know, say goodbye. It, it's not a bad thing. You need to say goodbye, and you need to trust what God's going to do in their life. If I could share briefly a, sure. a story. Um, there was a kid that was in trouble in high school, and his mom said, I'm sending him to youth group, figuring I'd wave the magic Jesus wand. And he came one week, and he said, can I bring my friends? And I said, yeah. And that week he brought three or four friends while they were out back smoking cigarettes, and one of my leaders said, they're out back smoking. I said, okay. Told him to put the cigarettes away. Second week, same thing. Second week, same thing. Third week, I finally looked at the leader and I said, hey, they're here. I don't care if they smoke. And this kid I built this relationship with, 
He went to the Iraq War. He shared the gospel of Jesus Christ there. And one night he pulled up on a motorcycle, a Harley, had all the tattoos, the, the big beard, and freaked out my middle school kids asking for me. <laughs> and he came in and he shared what Jesus was doing in his life. And I had said goodbye to him long ago. And it was just a joy to see him walk back in the building and have this affection and love for Jesus and what his career was and how he was living Christ at that time. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that people in ministry have to do is adjust to the idea that we're just part of it. We're not the whole picture. You know, we should be honored that God would use us for anything. But if somebody comes to us and says, you know, Silver Birch Ranch is the place that, you know, it is responsible for, I say, you know what, if, if you look back in your life, there were probably a lot of little steps. Mm-hmm. And I am thrilled that Silverberg's Ranch was part of it. I'm thrilled that Nicolay Bible was part of it. Honestly, that's all that we can ask God to do is to use us in, in that moment to help people be, to be the next step for them. But realize that God doesn't really use like one place, one ministry, one time in history to change everything about a heart. We need to be faithful to God now and we might not see a change in their life, mm-hmm. you know, for many years. Um, I laugh about it with kids once in a while because I I do something, maybe over at the shop or maybe rake a lawn or something. And they said, boy, you look like you enjoy that. I said, yeah, it's a whole lot easier than working with people. <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, when I'm done, I'm done. The leaves are gone. Right. I, it's, I look at it and go, finished. You know, I've never done that with a life ever. No, because none of the lives are finished. I mean, it, it, it's just a work in process. And going back to what you said, the different journeys, I had a, a maybe an aha moment at VBS. I was standing on the side and watching all these little kids jump up and down and singing Christian songs. And I looked at one of the leaders and I said, you know, we are being used by the God of the universe, the God that created and spoke everything into existence to proclaim his truth. That is an honor. And yet the other night I came here and I went up in the balcony of the chapel and I looked down and I said, I'm blessed to be a part yeah. that, uh, of what's going on here. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting. As I've gotten older, my wife has told me how I've changed when I speak. She says, you're much more grandfatherly now. <laughs> and I think, yeah, I guess maybe I am. Because I look at those same things. I look at it and think, what a privilege it is to say anything for God and, and that he would use anything that we might say. And there are so many ways that a person can get distracted from it. And I think that each listener and, and people are thinking about the purpose of their life. Be very careful to focus in on what you need to accomplish in life. You were mm-hmm. made to do something. And it's really simple. If you go in the Bible, I'll summarize it for you. You are made to glorify God. You're made to sh- mm-hmm. show who he is. Now, you can do that if you're rich or poor. You can do that if you're sick. You can do that if you're healthy. You can do that no matter what your ethnicity. You can do that no matter what country you're from. The, the fun thing, did your parents when you were young like mine tell me there's nothing fair in life? I don't remember them ever telling yeah, me my, that. Mine did for some reason. There's nothing fair because I must have been comparing something to my brother or something. But what I thought later was God is. Everything with him is the same. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter where you're mm-hmm. from. It doesn't matter. All have sinned. All have sinned. 
and fall short, and, and people understand glorifying God, what does that mean? Well, you were created to glorify God. What, what's interesting is if I do everything I'm supposed to here. Did you know my dad? I did not know your dad. Okay. The, the guys that have been at camp that know him, and I do everything that oftentimes from many years ago, because he founded the ministry, they'll come to me and say, you remind me so much of your dad. And I think, I just glorified my dad. You know, I, I showed him who my dad was by how I live. And that's what we were created to do for God. We were, we were created to show a world that doesn't know who he is, who he is. And we can do that in any condition that we're in. Any condition, you know, in, uh, for a number of years, I, I think I, I struggled in ministry because my ministry was smaller and I would look at other churches that had bigger youth ministries and, you know, what do I have to do to compare to them? And it was a realization that came to me that I am in this place for this time. And if I have 10 kids or I have 500 kids, I am there to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am care there to care for their lives. And if God decides to move me, then God decides to move me. But to be present in the moment of what God can do in your life, if you are not present in that moment, right. you're missing what God can do for you. Yeah, because you may not have the future. You could plan all you want for it. You know, uh, obviously the last two years here at Silver Birch and around the world has been interesting, but here with the big storm we had, and then we, were you here for that storm? We left the day before. Yeah, well, you were fortunate. Yes. Um, that was a wild time, but to have that storm and then to have um, the, the, the pandemic on its heels, I mean, after a while you go, what in the world? You know, how do you get back to normal around this world? And God said, don't worry about it. You... We couldn't have planned for the future in any way, shape, or form for the last two years. If I've ever been convinced you can't plan, it's now. And all the business guys just fell out of their chair. I understand they're listening. <laughs> I'm not saying you don't plan. I'm saying you really can't. So plan, but then you plan to show who God is. Because, you know, did you ever think of, um, I'm sure you have, but Elijah on Mount Carmel. So here's a guy that's, that's saying all of you, all of you over there are wrong, all of you. Not, not some of you, all of you. And I guess I'm going to have to prove it. So let's get up here and let's, you, you pray. And if God, if, if Baal sends down, it was a Baal? Baal, yeah, I think it was. If, if, if he sends down fire, then he's God. So get to it. And they did all kinds of things and Baal didn't do anything. But then Elijah said, you know, douse that thing with water. Douse it a lot. So here he is. He's making ministry harder than it should be. And I'm thinking, what are you doing, Elijah. We don't make ministry harder. It's already hard enough. And, and if he could answer me, and one day probably in heaven when I get there, he's going to go, silly. <laughs> you think I could make it so hard that God couldn't do it? Right. He's going to do it no matter what I did there. We could pour the ocean on it, and he'd dry up the ocean. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is my thinking that's off, not Elijah's. Well, yeah, and I think, too, you know, you are right. We do need to plan. We do need to prepare. And I'm a preparer. I, I, I try to have my messages done a month in advance so they can marinate. and right. they can. Uh, but I never know if I'm going to give that message and, right. and what's going to happen. But I need to prepare. But I also have to remember through this last two years of my life and the uncertainty and the questions in this world and trying to do uh, youth ministry over Zoom calls, 
God's still in control, yeah, and none of it catches him by surprise. And we, too many times when we hit crisis, when we hit COVID, when we hit a storm, how are we going to solve this? And, and instead of taking a step back and saying, God, I want to see your glory shine here. I don't know, and you are in control. Yeah. So now lead me, and I will prepare how you lead me. But I, I don't have a clue. Yeah, you know, the greatest way we can point to God is through those disasters in life that we don't control. I found that through life, that's just the best way. I mean, I was a kid in a wheelchair at one point. I, you know, I've, I've had, you know, I'm, I am narcoleptic, I have that disease. Some of these things that are afflictions in life have been the best way I can show who God is. And then, you know, the storm that came through, the storm, which is called a derecho. So the derecho that came through and, and just, it damaged 30 some buildings out of 60 and, and then, not only that, the, the pandemic that went after that, we should have been a wreck financially. Instead, we're fine. We paid our staff the whole time. We made it. Every businessman that looks at it is amazed at what happened, that you could even make it through that. And, and all I'm doing is sitting there thinking, you know, God, once again, through the very disastrous times you provided, and without those, we wouldn't have as clear a view of you. But like dumping water on the idol, we have or, uh, the altar, we have a clear, clearer view of what you can do. And I bet you God could sit in heaven and go, you want to see bigger than that? I could do it. You know what I mean? It's a, you want more disaster? I can handle that. And, and I can bring you through no matter what. And I, I mean, we're really told in our weakness, he is made strong. We can see him in our weakness. Um, but we don't want the weakness. We want to do it on our own strength, maybe a little bit about what we talked about previously, being our own God. We don't want to depend on him. We want to depend on ourselves. But yet when we depend on him in the uncertainty, in the questionable times, that's when he makes us strong. That's when he reveals his glory through us. And we see it's his glory and it's not me. And we're just a vessel uh, of uh, uh, an amazing God. Yeah. You know, there isn't a circumstance in life that God cannot be glorified through, except for me choosing to sin. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, but in health, sickness, wealth, poverty, whatever country I'm from, it's not there. You, you're you headed somewhere. You're, you're at camp now. You're going to be heading out further in the wilderness yes. at, at some point. Why do you tell me about just your thoughts of of the importance of getting out into the wilderness? Well, I think when you any time that you can get away, get away from the distractions of life, and we are constantly bombarded, whether it's TV, whether it's the internet, whether it's our phone, constantly dinging and pinging and everything else. When we can separate ourselves from that, and that's one of the things I love here at Silver Birch. I do tell parents don't. Don't think I'm going to answer every one of them right. because my phone is going to be in the room most of the time because I am going to be away. I, I want to rest. I want to see God in what he created and to escape, to be here, to uh, go to Colorado and to climb a mountain. I, I I see the beauty, the wonder of what God created in it takes me away from me and that ever busy world, and it gets me walking with him and just really enjoying him for you know what he created and seeing him in all things. And so for me, it's just a an escape and a return and a close knit time that I can spend with God. 
Yeah, you know, I think everybody should plan intentionality and plan time to do something outside the routine. Um, I shared a saying with you earlier that I heard on the somebody talk about, you know, a change in place and a change in pace will change your perspective. And I think you need to do that. Years ago, my wife and I uh, decided that the most important thing we could do for our marriage is walk every day together for an hour. And we do. So um, we walk every day. We got we can go up from our house one way or the other way. We got it marked off. We know how far it is. And the reason we do it is because it allows us, the two of us, a couple things. It allows us to exercise. Just, you know, walking is good. Mm-hmm. And God made us to walk, so go ahead and do it. And, and the second thing is it gets me away from the house. It gets her away from the house. We're in the woods. It, you know, cell phone signals aren't that great. And, it, you know, there's no television. There's no work list. There's no get away from it for a little bit. But to do it on a daily basis, it's interesting through the years I've taught on that a lot at, at, when I talk to families and I talk to them the importance of that. And now if they see Linda and I, some of them will stop and go, on your walk, hey. You know I mean? You're, mm-hmm. we, we still do it. We've been married 41 years. We still do it. We still go out and do that walk. And she would tell you that's one of the most uh, important parts of our life mm-hmm. is to be intentional. It's funny because, as you said about going to mountain camp, I'm talking about even just get out of the house. Absolutely. My wife and I, I call it uh, Saturdays with Shelly, and um, we're busy all through the week, but I try to make Saturday a priority. And uh, we get in the car, and uh, where are we going? I don't know. Where do you want to go? Let's go somewhere. But we are together. We are intentional. We are out of the house, and we are together focusing on one another. And uh, as God intended marriage to be, to focus on one another and, and, and just we have so, uh, so many great adventures and so much fun together. Just, as you said, getting out of the routine, getting away from everything. Yeah. You know, I encourage you to have some intentionality. Um, speak to this, if you would. And any relationship, including God, you got to give it time. Mm-hmm. So how do people give God time? I think it's a discipline. It's a discipline as much as if you are going to start to exercise whatever you have. Or walk, I mean, or whatever. Right, yeah. You have to create a time in your day that says this is for God, and I am not going to let anything get in there. And if you're not willing to do that, then do you really want the relationship? Because I want that relationship with my wife to be amazing. I create that space, and we need to create that space with God each and every day that says, I'm going to spend time with him. And guess what? He's more important than you. Yeah. You know, that is so vital. I don't know how many men I've talked to. They come up to a men's retreat or whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. And, you know, I'll ask, have you been in the word? No, I've been real busy. And I think, you know, the only thing, the only thing that Satan fears is that you know God and that you'll actually listen to him. Yeah, and, you know, I appreciate what you've done for men, but that is really is what happened is the man has fallen off. We get involved. We, we think we need to provide for our families, and that's all great and everything, but our greatest provision we can give to our family is to lead them spiritually, and that is being purposeful in being in God's Word every day. Absolutely. Well, I thank you again for listening, and I thank you, Bill, for being a part of this, and look forward to hopefully in years to come, maybe we do this again, talk about uh, life a little bit and what God's doing in our lives. And if you're wondering about where we're from, we're from Silver Birch Ranch here on the campus of Nicolay Bible Institute, and you can find these podcasts and others if you go to relate365.com, 
Or if you want more information on Nicolay Bible Institute, you can go to nicolaybibleinstitute.org or silverbirchranch.org, and we'd be glad to serve you here in the Northwoods. Thanks for listening. Looking forward to next time. Goodbye for now.